Trish and Nicole and their expert guests are here to answer all your burning questions about aesthetics procedures, candid discussions and stories of the latest trends and greatest gadgets. From dry vagina to frozen faces, Aesthetics Uncensored, where nothing is off limits. Hello everyone, it's Trish Hammond here from the Aesthetics Uncensored podcast. And today I'm flying solo, solo with Dr. Matthew Peters, who's who's a specialist plastic surgeon from Valley Plastic Surgery. So welcome, Dr. Peters. Thanks for having me. This is like a habit almost, isn't it? It's like an addiction that it's, I've got to chat to you on a podcast. <laughs> it's our regular gig. It's it good. is, it is. <laughs> so tell us, we're crazy times at the moment, but we thought tonight we'd have a bit of a chat about you know, choosing, you know, when you're choosing a surgeon um, or a practitioner to do your treatments, and I guess that can cover a bit of non-surgical as well, because like you guys do non-surgical there as well, don't you? Yes, we do. And I know it's a really growing area, but I guess even when you put people on as staff members, like you have to be really selective who you choose and all that. So, so let's kind of run through it all. So choosing a surgeon, let's start with a surgeon, like what do people have to know? Like, how do you get to choose the right surgeon for you? So I guess it comes down to what you're wanting to have done. Um, and you know, everyone has their own little uh, issue that they're wanting addressed. And then working out who out there in the general community of surgeons um, uh, is the best person for the job. And the, the way to sort of work that all out is is often through word of mouth and talking to friends and, and work colleagues and things like that. Um, but that, that's probably the commonest way. But then we also find that, you know, backing that up with uh, looking on forums and seeing uh, what other people have done uh, who've been looking at similar treatment options um, and then looking at the credentials a bit further to ascertain the training that someone's undertaken um, and getting a bit of an idea of how frequently they might do certain treatments or procedures. Um, just trying to work out, um, you know, like whether they're the right person to do your particular, you know, operation or whatever. Um, and then sort of going from there and, and, and making that next step to actually meet with the person and, and then having that dialogue to see how their ideals fit with your concerns and, and what sort of other things they, they do in terms of the procedure, the treatment, what the before care, the aftercare, all these things. There's a lot to consider before making that final jump to actually go through with that particular treatment. Mm, that's so true. And I reckon as well, it's really handy for people, like I say this, although I've never done it myself, but I think if I was to have a consultation you know, today I would do this to actually just sit down and, and nut out all the questions that you do want to ask um, your surgeon, you know, about what they do, like you said before, during aftercare and, and, you know, that procedure, how many they've done and whether you can look at some before and afters, any questions that, that you want asked. But it's probably good to have that prepared first and maybe even one thing that I like the idea of, because only because someone in the group said it, is um, they actually had like a list of three questions that they rang around to a few different clinics um, as well to kind of see whether they felt that they resonated with the, the clinic as well. Yeah. I don't know if that's limiting for someone because you might have the perfect doctor there for you and just because, you know, you haven't got the right answer at the front desk that you know, you may be kind of, you know, cutting your nose to spite your face in that situation. But I thought that was a good idea as well. 
Yeah, that's interesting. Hmm. I mean, I, I don't answer the phones here, so I don't. We've got awesome staff, but yeah, I, you know, I guess it comes down to what they're asking and who is answering the right question. Because yeah, I mean, in our clinic, we've got we've got quite a few doctors here, and we all do different things. So I guess it depends on on what they're asking. But yeah, that, that's a clever way to sort of run around and then sort of you know as a way to try and work out where you go. It's certainly pretty common for me to meet with someone who's seen someone else before um, there can be sort of a bit of a circuit that people do where they'll see myself and a few others before sort of making that decision um, so yeah you know ringing around before doing all of that is another version of that I guess um, mm-hmm. so yeah yeah, because I guess some because one lady on the group she wrote that um, she'd rung and asked for a rough estimate of price. Although I know it's really hard for for her, she already knew that if it was, you know, a re- over you know like I don't know thirty fifty whatever she said, um, she wasn't even going to go any further because she knew that she couldn't afford that. So then, you know, she rang around like that. So I guess that's probably. I mean, yeah, I, I mean that's different. that's a really common. Thing. Like we get lots and lots of emails to our clinic um, in relation to treatments, what we do, and, and price and availability is the other one that comes up. Um, and so certainly like those sorts of things, I'm, I'm really open to people sort of asking those things up front so that they're, you know, you know, not wasting their time. It's, it's you know, I don't, I don't have a problem with them asking those sorts of questions at all before they come. Um, yeah. So yeah, that, 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 you know, people say. You shouldn't focus so much on the price and it's all, you know, you get what you pay for type thing. But, yeah, certainly I, I know myself and you know too, like there's certain things in life that if you knew how much it's going to cost, you just go, oh, I'm not going there because I can't afford X, Y, Z. And you, and you work to your means. And so, yeah, that's that's a really normal question that can be a differentiator 100%. Exactly, because if I could afford it, I'd have plastic surgery head to toe, but I have to draw the line. <laughs> so you know you mentioned before about you know word of mouth and it's so true because these days people do go a lot on word of mouth but now that we've got online it's almost like a digital word of mouth and and that seems to be a growing arena where people want to speak to other people who've had the same thing that they want to have done or is going to go planning on going to the same surgeon that they want to go to so these online communities i think these days are really important as well but Having said that, just because someone, you know, had great surgery with with this doctor doesn't mean the other person, uh, you know, it could be different because it's a different person. Hey, it's still a personal thing. Oh, it is. But, yeah, I mean, the digital world, as you rightly pointed out, it it really is a massive word of mouth forum. And it's it's not – it's one of those things where I I meet so many patients who come here – and we'll make comments about, oh, I read about you on this Facebook group or that Facebook group or some other forum. Um, I had a conversation, you know, like, you know, message back and forth with a previous patient of yours whose photos they had put up. There's people, I, I don't have access to any of these forums because I'm one of the surgeons, but, yeah. you know, the conversations where they'll say, oh, I saw this image and, you know, your scar result and I really thought this particular person looked like me um, and so I messaged them. And I had a conversation and they told me X, Y, Z. So it's really expanded that that playground or workplace, you know, water cooler conversation environment of these sorts of conversations. It's just made them happen all yeah. the time. And, and yeah, it's, it's a whole other world of word of mouth, which 
thankfully for me, it's been really positive. I meet lots of people due to those digital forums. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it's it's a it's a different world to five or ten years ago, that's for sure. Oh, it's so true. It's just it's all it's just happened like suddenly. I think we we started our group in oh, I don't know maybe two thousand seventeen or eighteen, and mm. and and we're like we have quite strict rules on joining and stuff like that. And and I think in and one of those groups there's about 12,000 women this is a women's only group and um it's true like someone can like people will make their decisions based on someone else's surgery there's no doubt about it oh, yeah. else's experience it's just like you know it's like i don't know you can it's like i don't know you can blow your own whistle as much as you want but when someone else blows your whistle it has like 10 times more impact oh i i completely agree and you know, one of the things like it's it's volunteered quite frequently from patients who are new. I've just been consulting all day, for example, and there were a number of them that made a comment about, you know, I found out about you through this forum and I had a conversation with this person. And they do a lot of research and they're asking a lot of questions about what I do and outcomes and things like that before they come. And it's funny, like there's been such a big focus previously on things like Google reviews and other little reviews and things like that. And and in recent times, I, I think it's more the online conversations which are helping people make decisions on where to go compared to a lot of the review stuff. It's really, it's really interesting. There's so much more conversation in this room about the forums and the conversations on the forums than anything else. Yeah, it's so true because I think it's almost like the Google reviews are just there for the, like the, um, I don't mean to say tire kickers, but people that just want to, you know, look up stuff, but probably may never actually go. go I don't know. I, I the Google. The, you're right. The Google reviews. I'm. I'm not quite so sure if they're the be all and end all and everything. Well, no. I don't know. I mean, but... I've got I've got quite a few Google reviews, and and they all just sort of happen. The thing with Google is that. Yeah, you, it just happens, and there's lots of different things that have them. It's just interesting that everywhere we go that where you're going there's a google review but the forums it's a conversation and it really is a different level of um interaction about you know instead of just reading something that says yeah good surgeon very happy with result um you know it's a it's a discussion where it's often prompted by a photo in a forum it's a hi i had this surgery done by this person and message me if you've got any questions and and then yeah, the conversations that I'm aware that people, like the patients have told me, I, I interacted with this person who was on this forum and they told me about this and I finally met the nurse that they mentioned. And, and it's really interesting how much they know yeah. about us and me and, and, and the clinic and everything um, before, they, before they've met any of us and before yeah. they've seen anything that I've done. So it's a lot more involved than the, than the simple reviews that are online. Yep. And I think as well, it's sort of like by the time they walk into your door, they are already 90% committed, I reckon, you know, unless people are getting, you know, more than one opinion, which a lot of people do if they just, you know, like like if you walk in, or for me, if I walk in somewhere and I've had a consultation and I just like, that's perfect. I really like what he's got to say. I wouldn't even bother having a second one because that's me. But having said mm. that, I have had two and three consults because I just haven't felt that, you know, I just haven't been 100% committed if that makes yeah. sense to that one person. So I think that kind of changes things for people as well. Yeah, I mean, it's really, it's funny. Like that used to happen 
We used to see a number of people that would sort of have seen one or two people and, and then be here. And, and I don't know, more and more, I'm just, know, maybe there's more, maybe more of that stuff is happening online where people are sort of having those sort of conversations and trying to piece together in their mind if someone's going to fit with them before they're sort of jumping in and seeing or visiting multiple surgeons. I don't know. I, yeah. I, I feel certainly the patients that are coming to see me these days, it seems a lot more targeted um, yeah. instead of sort of doing the rounds and seeing three or four before making a decision. Yep. Yeah. There has been a shift and I, and I don't know exactly what's behind all of that. Well, I reckon a lot, a lot of it's got to do with the fact that, um, like, like that, if you, for example, you're out there, people have heard you on podcasts, they've seen you on videos. So before they even walk in your door, they kind of half know you a little bit. Whereas it used to be, you know, the surgeon behind the door and you didn't see them. Whereas I think the guys that are, uh, and the girls <laughs> that are, um, and the non-gender binary, you know, the non-specific gender ones as well. Um, but I think they're kind of like they're a bit more open and out there so you kind of get to know the person before you even walk in the door for a consult oh yeah yeah and I think that's really important I had surgery myself last year and um yeah and and the the person that that I went to they had a video um online and and they were just talking about what they do and how they do it and when I actually finally got to that point where I met with the person uh it was yeah, I, I almost, he didn't even almost have to open his mouth. It was like, okay, great. Yep, I know exactly why I'm here, what you're doing. I'm really comfortable. And I felt like I'd met him before. It was yeah. a really bizarre feeling. And uh, it actually made me really appreciate as a surgeon um, just the digital presence and doing videos and letting, like, just basically putting it out there that, yeah, this is who I am. And, and it, I think from that point, and we've done a lot more sort of video type stuff during some of the slowdown periods and stuff in the last sort of 18 months, two years, so that people can get to know us a bit better before they, they come. And, and it certainly makes for a less awkward conversation, I feel, for some of the patients that come with some sensitive things they want to walk through. Um, they sort of feel a lot more comfortable or come across as, as being a bit more comfortable. And I had a lady only last on sorry on Tuesday who who made the comment that she thought that she would be so nervous before turning up here and then as soon as she arrived she said she just felt really calm because she heard me talk about her issue you know on a video somewhere on YouTube and it was all real and here it was and it was as if we've met before so yeah the digital stuff is really powerful yeah that digital footprint is so good and so how does someone like um navigate the qualification thing like uh, like last week I heard like Sydney's in lockdown and mm. I've been watching this girl on social media who has obviously had surgery she's had a BBL treatment and liposuction when it's only uh, like when 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 we're not supposed to be operate like I don't know I was just actually blown away by that this week I was just being yeah. gobsmacked so people are actually having surgery in Sydney during lockdown um and i'm kind of thinking okay so so who does this like um how do people like um navigate what's right and what's wrong yeah well there's a big campaign and it's and it's across the world because when it comes to this to elements of what plastic surgeons do um the medical regulators and things like that have a 
a bit of a, a, a tricky time actually working out who should be doing what. And so across, I'm a fellow of both the Australian, um, you know, Royal Australasian College of Surgeons, and I'm also a fellow of the American College of Surgeons. And I get communication from both areas. And so it's not a unique problem to Australia. The the fact that there's a there's a group of people who are you know, plastic surgeons, qualified plastic surgeons, they're fellows of the Royal Australasian College of Surgeons, they're members of the Australian Society of Plastic Surgeons, they're members of the Australian Society of Aesthetic Plastic Surgeons. Um, they've got all the the university degrees, the the college degrees, they've got all of this stuff and they're supported by the medical board. So there's this whole group who have all of that, stuff which took us all years to achieve, um, but the, the community out there, uh, the lack of, of really strong and robust regulation means that the community is exposed to a group of practitioners um, who have a medical degree and the current standing from, from some of the medical board uh, perspective is that if someone is happy to pay you to do something to them, then if you've got a medical degree, you're allowed to do it. And it's unbelievable that, that that's the stance, but um, it's where they sit. And the, the, the campaign that's been run by ASAPs at the moment, trying to sort of bring a lot more um, robust discussion about who should be doing this sort of stuff has really highlighted some massive deficiencies in the regulatory um, environment that we're in, which which does mean that when it comes to being a, a patient, a consumer, someone who's trying to work out who should be doing their surgery, um, it, it can be very difficult to navigate because we live in Australia and, and a lot of the time we assume that we're a first world developed country, we've got ticks and checks and balances everywhere in everything we do and yet when it comes to this particular area of medicine, um, it can be very difficult for someone to actually work out who's legitimately trained and who's not. And so, yeah, it really, it really is. And so that's where like the online discussions and things like that. And then the, all of those sort of word of mouth things. And then, and then the patient actually being aware that, you know, and that's where the, the campaign, for example, from ASAPs, um, you know, know your surgeon. Um, it's all about, actually saying, hey, these these are medical practitioners, these are surgeons who have gone out and actually gone through the process of, yes, doing a medical degree, but then starting the whole application process with surgical training. And, you know, we've just been through that across Australia for applications and selection into the plastic surgery training program. And the level of competition to get on is phenomenal. And so, you know, these these young doctors... We we just got five of them on in Queensland, which is a record, um, you know, for our state really. Um, but next year we may get two or one. You know, it's such a competitive process. And then you go through five years of training, and then you decide on where you want to go within plastic surgery in terms of extra post fellowship training. And then you go and work in public hospitals, you know, and then you think about private practices and, and all of that sort of stuff. And that process, it's just so drawn out. And and so, yeah, the, the Know Your Surgeon campaign to sort of see who has done that and who has the relevant 
um, credentials, um, really important. And, and that's where, yeah, there's all the discussion points and forums, but the patients themselves knowing that they can do extra homework and they can go to the ASPS website, for example, they can go to the ASAPS website, they can check to see that their surgeon is a qualified plastic surgeon, they can see what their subspecialty areas are and make sure that, yeah, they actually, you know, do do these things and are trained in these things, which is really important also because when it comes to membership of ASPS or ASAPS, uh, we to be a member, you have to maintain a standard or obtain a standard and then you have to maintain it and we abide by codes of conduct and all sorts of things that mean that if we're not doing the right thing by someone we, we we've got someone to answer to so regulation is really important and that's where credentials and knowing that your surgeon is 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 responsible and monitors their performance and and is answerable to boards of other surgeons their peers um, it's really important compared to the, the practitioners out there who doesn't have that degree of scrutiny on them uh, from any regulatory body who is able to, in this current medical environment, still provide some treatments um, without being so answerable to it. Mm-hmm. So, with, yeah. And with that, and then you've got the other question is like um, uh, when the surgeons come from overseas is, you know, is, is someone who's, um, trained as a plastic surgeon in America, does that qualify over here? And you've got all of that messy stuff as well. It's like it, it's sometimes it's almost impossible to navigate for patients to um to know who, who yeah, has well, a qualification. Yeah, I mean that sort of stuff. There are really um, robust pathways within the College of Surgeons here in Australia um in New Zealand in terms of the internationally trained surgeon and uh, and the criteria are quite amazing so yeah that sort of stuff um someone coming through the the right channels um ultimately would have an FRACS a fellowship of the Royal Australasian College of Surgeons uh as a as a set of letters after their name mm-hmm. um if if they've gone through the right channels and and that's the thing if someone is really well trained from the US, UK, whatever, then the college does do this process where they'll they'll say, look, you know, you're comparable or, you know, you've got to reset our exam to make sure you're safe or you need to do supervised practice for a couple of years and then sit the exam or your training isn't uh, comparable. So we need you to go through the whole process of trying to get into plastic surgery training here in Australia. And, and we see that all the time, those different types of pathways um, so yeah, it's, there's a definite process to make sure that who is coming from overseas and, and who the patient might have operating on them, um, so they can be confident that if someone has an FRACS, um, you know they've they've they deserve it and they've, they've obtained it and they they should be safe to do and, and trained to do what what that person is actually seeking them to do. Mm-hmm. And say for example, if with um, when it comes to non-surgical like 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 what would you recommend um like it's really hard to navigate the non-surgical space it's even harder than the surgical space um as well because some of those treatments can be quite um intrusive and and, you know dangerous as well i suppose you know yeah and that's i mean in our clinic we have a medical doctor who 
has decided to pursue uh, non-surgical treatments as their career and has the necessary training and being a doctor um, you know they've got an understanding and, and they've got just different regulations when it comes to all sorts of stuff like the college that they're with and then the medical board and and just all the prescribing rules and all sorts of things so yeah we, we have a we sourced and, and, and approached a medical doctor to join our practice and thankfully uh, they came on board. When it comes to the the rest of the community with injectables and who's doing what, um, there's there's a lot of different practitioners doing it. There's there's doctors who do it on the side and as GPs, there's doctors who are working in training programs in emergency departments and all sorts of areas that are doing it on the side. There's a lot of nurses uh, obviously who do it um, there's all sorts of different streams that people can go through to get into the non-surgical world and you know and, and it does concern me at times um, you know like how do you ascertain that someone is able to do it if all they've done is a two-day injecting course and and that's where it gets a little bit tricky that non-surgical world um, in terms of the advice that you provide to the to the patient in terms of where to go and I guess it does come down to a conversation about you know with word of mouth and, and talking to people and then going through the same thing you know who are they attached to what clinic are they attached to what sort of training what evidence of training what credentials do they have so it's 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 speaking to people you know who may have been through the experience themselves but then doing your own homework to see that yep, this is legitimate and it's a safe place to go and they will provide a standard of care which is ethically and, and you know, it's treatment appropriate and, and, you know, so that you get the service that you want and it's and it's done properly and, and followed through and, you know, it's just done well. So, yeah. Yeah, yep, this is so true. Um, I remember having in, injections done once and um, um, I wasn't happy with the outcome as in, you know, like I'd had Botox in my forehead and I actually have discovered that I can't have Botox in my forehead because my forehead just drops. But I mm. was so unhappy and I'd gone to such an esteemed clinic that they were happy, no questions asked, just give me my money back. And that mm. for me spoke volumes because it wasn't actually their fault. It was actually my face that was the fault. Of, you know, <laughs> my body just, just cannot take it. But just the fact that, you know, because if I had gone to just some you know, place around the corner that, that, you know, does injections that I hadn't actually researched and thought, okay, this is a really reputable um, business, you know, they probably would, would have just sort of like, sorry, you know, bad luck kind of thing, you know, whereas just even that, that was enough for me to, you know, I kept going back there and I still do go back there mm. because I know that I can trust them and if something bad happens or, you know, but what if, or if something good doesn't happen, I've got a a leg to stand on. And I think when people, you know, when businesses back themselves up like that, it just speaks volumes because, like, I'm still there, you know, and I would have, yeah, yeah. you know, in a normal world, you would like got your money back, and I'm out of here, never coming back again. Yeah, I'm ma I'm a massive believer in all of that, and um, yeah, certainly, you know, I, a lot of my patients know this during during my high school years and part of my uni years, I, I worked as a brickies labourer. I worked on building sites. I worked doing yeah. carpentry stuff. And I did heaps of that stuff. And, 
you know, I'm just of the opinion that as a result of my time doing that, that you've got a task to do. And if it doesn't turn out exactly what, you know, everyone thought it would, then you need to sort of brainstorm and come up with solutions to try and get the outcome you were wanting to achieve. And, and you know, I'll never forget one of my guys that I worked with and, and there was a, another chippy and he put the door on upside down. And then he had to redo it all. And and the guy that owned the business, he sort of said, look, just get it done. And, you know, and the young fellow said, oh, well, what do I do in terms of sending through, adjusting the, the billing? And he said, Mate, they paid for a door to be the right way up. And that's just what we've got to deliver. You can't get them to pay to do it twice. Um, yeah. So things like that where, you know, within reason, like sometimes where things just happen, but certainly, you know, I'm just a big believer in if, if if you're seeking something and it you just fall short of the mark, you've just got to work it out with the patient as to how you how you get the result. And and finance is really important. And and you know there's moments where all of us and and good surgeons and I know around town that will just say, look, if the scar wasn't 100% right, or if there was something that was a little bit loose or something to that effect, you know, we just sort of try and really work it out for the patient and and find a way that they don't have to have big out-of-pockets just to have little revisionary things done so yeah. yeah it's it's good to hear that a clinic like that that went oh that didn't work for you um you know we're we're happy to sort of have that that belief system when they said yeah look okay let's just work this out and yeah just exactly. be respectful of yeah those and, processes and the thing is what we do something like that and and like you can do great things and people will never find out about it but do one bad thing and everybody will know but do something like that and like I've sent them so many people over the years mm. you know and if 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 the if the result had been different like if the outcome had been different with them and me I probably just would never have gone there again and, yeah definitely yeah. Um, yeah so no that's true yeah. oh well that's awesome so is there anything that I, I should have because I, I specifically the, the it came up in conversation today you know how to find the right surgeon for you so I was really excited to have a chat because just because the right surgeon um is for you know say you know my girlfriend doesn't necessarily mean it might be the right surgeon for me um as mm. well so it's it's about making sure they're they're qualified in, in what yes. you want they do a lot of what you want you resonate yes. with them as well and it's true just just google the heck out of them and see what you can find watch videos listen to yeah. podcasts you know jump on facebook lives and you know jump into those groups that are out there for you yeah and and the big thing in all of that is just yeah credentials are like really important and training really important but for each patient i've just got to think of the context of of it's them and and what they want and what their body is and finding someone who um you know for what they need is the right person and yes you can listen to you know the guy at the server you can listen to podcasts you can listen to facebook things you can do all of that to help you but meeting with that person and making sure that for the person themselves, it's all relevant. It's all what you want. The context is right. Um, then, yeah, it's that's the final thing. You can get lots of opinions from all over the place, but it comes down to that individual making that decision themselves that's right. Yep, so true. Oh, look, thank you so much for tonight. That's just been amazing. Before we go, can I ask you one more question or two more questions? What, yeah. What's the last series that you watched? 
last series yeah. on TV. Mm. Yeah, I watched um, the Mayor of East Town. Is that what it's called? Um, with Kate Winslet in it. I okay. That. Okay. Yeah, and that was that was that was pretty good actually. She's amazing. Excellent. Um, so yeah, watch that. Yeah. L- last book that you read. Oh, and don't well, say plastic surgery. You're gonna say that. Oh, I haven't been able to read. I haven't been able to read much since I finished all of my training. I read articles and stuff online, and I do all of that. But far out, it's hard for me to read a book. But I've yeah. got four. I've got four kids, and far out. Well, yeah, there you yeah. go. I read oh, Richard yeah. Scary's. Um, <laughs> I read Richard Scary's. Green <laughs> to my to my kids to my son last week so yeah that was the last book that I read. Excellent, yeah. excellent. Well, look, thanks so much for joining us tonight. Thanks for having me. Awesome. It's always good. Awesome. So, listeners, if you do want to get in touch with Dr. Matthew Peters, Valley Plastic Surgery, Fortitude Valley, it's the bomb. I've been there myself a few times, so it's an amazing place. Thank you so so much for joining us, Dr. Peters. No worries. Thanks for having me. Thanks a lot. Bye. Got a burning question for Trish and Nick at Aesthetics Uncensored? Slide into their DMs on Instagram at Aesthetics Uncensored. Stay positive, boobs and chin high.